Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Kortz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. It's great to see you. It's hard to believe this is the last sermon in our MOVE series. So we've been making our way this year. In fact, this entire year, we've been making our way through the New Testament book of Ephesians. We started out looking at Love United from the early portions of Ephesians chapter 4. And then we transitioned into uh, mid-Ephesians 4 to begin to look at this series entitled MOVE, where our theme has been, if you want and if you're going to get past your past, you've got to let go and move on into God's future. Now, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm grateful for the way God's used this series over the past several months in the lives of people. We've been learning some things. I want to kind of gather them up for us as this series comes to a close today. During the series, we've learned from God's Word that uh, given who Christ is and what He's done and given what God has planned for this universe, Followers of Jesus must no longer walk or live in the old ways that they used to walk and live in before Christ and and in those ways that everyone else still lives in today, Uh, looking for life in all the wrong places, thinking that life gets its meaning and purpose from pursuing more of and more of the best things we can find, more possessions, pleasure, people and their acceptance and their approval, more position, more prestige, more status, more power. Always hungry, always ready for more, always eating but never full. The old way of thinking and the old way of living is futile. More and more of any of that stuff and you find yourself just hungrier still. Give yourself up to the pursuit of these things and you do yourself and others a lot of damage. But that is what we do when we live this life. In the old ways, we keep living thinking we're, gonna, we're going to make life work somehow until it doesn't. And it doesn't. Even when you have more of these things than anyone else, it doesn't. It doesn't work. The recent deaths of fashion designer Kate Spade and chef and author and uh, TV personality Anthony Bourdain underscore this truth for us. Their tragic deaths were the deaths of people who were eminently successful, who had great achievements, who had wealth, who had applause. And yet, more for them didn't mean more. More doesn't mean more. It never has. It never will. In the United States, in our country, in, in this nation of ours, still the richest and the, free, the freest country on the planet, suicide rates are up 25% since 1999. 125 people take their lives every single day in our country. Depression and loneliness and isolation and anger and conflict and bitterness mark our society as never before, despite the fact that overall we have more money, more sexual freedom, more power of choice than we've ever had. Why, why, why? Because more is never more. Enough is never enough when it comes to the good things that this life has to offer. The old ways of living don't make life work. And yet we all sense, we all know somehow, some way, there has to be more. 
And this is part of what followers of Jesus have learned. And this is what Ephesians has reinforced for us time and again. This is why Paul insists that they no longer walk or live in their old ways and, and, and live their old lives with those old ways. And instead that they put on the new life and the new ways of living that Christ has given them. He calls on them to keep learning Christ. He calls on them to see Christ as the real source and center of life. He calls on them to learn from Christ the truth about how life really is learned and, and how it really is lived rather. And then he calls believers to begin to live a new life like Christ, free of the lies that harm and deceive, whole like Christ, to live with a life that is satisfying because it means something here and now. It means something for eternity to come. And so Paul encourages the Ephesians and says essentially, listen, you've got to remember this. If you're going to move on from the life that hurts you, you've got to let go. Indeed, if you're going to move on to God's best, you've got to let go of your past. And he says to us in such encouraging ways, you can, you can, you can. And then he unpacks practically how this works and what this looks like. And he says, by God's grace and the strength that he gives, what you could never be and what you could never do, you can be and you can do now. You can speak truth instead of lies. By God's grace and in the strength that he gives, you can be angry and not sin. You can work hard and not steal. Your words can build up rather than tear down. You can forgive even when you can't forget. You can keep sex within God's good design and you can keep yourselves and sex both sacred rather than cheap. And once he said all of that and maintain this pattern of calling us to let go and move on, to let go and move on, to let go and move on. Paul wraps it all up and he says, as people who, by repenting of your old ways and placing your faith and trust in Christ rather than in yourselves, as people who have entered a new life, who have started over and started out well, as people who have moved past their past and toward God's best, he says, let me show you how to keep moving on. So that when this life is done, you finish well. Let me show you how to keep moving on so that you don't fall to the temptation to settle for anything less than God's best. So today I want to close as Paul does. And I want to speak to you about how believers who have started well with Christ can keep moving and finish well for Christ. Settling for less than God's best. And missing all the, the life that God has is one of the greatest tragedies that can befall a follower of Jesus. And so as we close this series, I want to ask, how do believers who started well, who started over and therefore started well in Christ, how do they finish well with Christ? Or put more simply, how can believers keep moving on so that they finish well? My heart for you is I want to see you finish well. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to see you finish well. I want to see you finish strong. I want to see you finish whole. And in our passage, what we find is that Paul returns one final time to this theme of a believer's walk, of a believer's behavior or way of living. 
And in verses 15 to 21 of Ephesians chapter 5, he concludes by calling on believers to walk worthy of their calling in Christ by looking carefully and constantly at how they walk. And what Peter has to say here is critical, so I invite you to join me in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, a passage you'll find on page 978 in the worship Bibles provided for you in the chair in front of you. Now, here's what I want you to see as we unpack this, this scripture. God shows us that walking worthy of the calling of Christ is ultimately a matter of walking, watching one's life carefully, of paying intentional, focused attention to those practices that produce the worthy lives that Christ deserves, lives that are capable of finishing well with him. What are they? Well, in our passage for the morning, Paul shows us three of them, and they include the practice of being wise about God's ways, being understanding of God's will, and being available to God's spirit. Being wise about God's ways, being understanding of God's will, and then being available to God's spirit. First of all, I want you to see with me that those who walk worthy of Christ by living carefully keep watch in their lives over the practice of being wise, specifically of being wise about God's ways. Verse 15, chapter 5, Ephesians says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making, verse 16 says, the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Paul explains here, first of all, that those who walk worthy of Christ and finish well, are those people who live watching carefully for the practice and the presence of wisdom in their lives. In other words, their lives and their ways of living are directed by a, a wisdom for living that ultimately comes from God. And, and that ultimately comes from God's purpose and plan for creation, for history, and humanity. All believers have this understanding. Paul tells us this in Ephesians 1. Paul tells us that God has poured out on believers all wisdom and insight by making known to them, he says, the divine mystery of what he's ultimately about in this world. In other words, Paul is saying that what God has done is to give his children a gift, the gift of seeing broadly his ultimate plan and purpose for his creation. And those who finish well constantly watch their lives and constantly live their lives with their eyes trained on what God has said about where history, humanity, and creation are going. They live intentionally with God's end for the universe in mind. Paul is saying that God has let believers, if you will, see the picture of what is to come. Much like a picture on a box containing something good that still needs to be put together. In this case, for Father's Day, a dollhouse. This is either every father's dream or nightmare. Depending upon how many parts there are in it. 
I heard no amens. <laughs> what God has done for his people is he's picked up and he's put before them the box of the universe. You say, Pastor, the universe is a huge thing and you're putting it in a box. Well, I'm going to tell you, in God's hands, this is about the size of the universe. He's a lot greater than we understand. And what God has done, rather than leaving his intentions and his purpose for us to guess, he has shown us his box of the universe and his plan for it. He said, I want you to see. I want you to know. I want you to see. I want you to know where we're headed. Now, I've got uh, two grandsons and a granddaughter, and if I brought this into my two grandsons, well, one's too young to know any different. But my older grandson, if I brought this into him and set this down before him, he'd go, Papa, where's the laser? Where's the spaceship? If I sat this down in front of my granddaughter, though, she'd go, oh, yeah. That's what I've always wanted. Now, she wouldn't put dolls in this. She'd put cats in it. But beyond that, she'd love it. <laughs> she is among that tribe of people who love cats. <laughs> I don't know where she got it from. I mean, I like them. They're pretty to watch in other people's houses. <laughs> but what God has done for his people is he says, here, I want you to see. I've designed this. I've created this. It's still in process. The pieces are all coming together. But I want you to see in advance what I have designed. I want you to see in advance what I have planned. I want you to look at the future with anticipation at what's coming because what I've got that is coming is something that is very, very good. I want you to see. I want you to know. For everyone else, this is wrapped. For everyone else, this is hidden. For everyone else, this is a mystery. But you've come to faith in, in my son, and I want you to see, and I want you to know. I'm pouring out on you wisdom. I'm pouring out on you insight. I want you to see what I'm about. I want you to see where I'm going with this place called earth, with this, this uh, uh, thing called the universe. I want you to see. I want you to know. I've got a gift of something more. I've got a gift of something better. It's on its way, and before it's done... I'm taking the step of unwrapping the mystery and showing you as my people the big picture. And this is what will give you wisdom for life. This is what will show you how to live and make the most of this thing called life. I want to show you where creation, history, and humanity are all headed by my design and by my power because I know that knowing where I'm going with all of this is going to set for you some expectations. It's going to give to you some hope. It's going to create in you a change in the way that you see me, you see yourselves, and in the way you see the world you live in. So what does God's box of the universe actually show? What does it show? Where is all of this going? Well, Paul tells us earlier in the letter to the Ephesians that the picture on the box of the universe actually points 
to God's plan and purpose ultimately for this universe as being one of restoration. That God's plan and God's purpose is peace. That God's plan and God's purpose is a wholeness that has been lost but will one day be restored. God's plan and God's purpose is that the pain that we assume in our lives here because we can only assume it will one day no longer be a reality. I want to show you that what you lost in the fall and what you've lost by your sin and what you've gained in the terms of pain One day what has been lost is going to be restored, and one day what you've gained is going to be lost. And one day you're going to know what it's like to live in a perfect setting as perfect people, in a perfect environment of love and acceptance like you've never known it. I want you to see what this is all coming to and what it means for you as you're coming to the end of all things as a follower of Jesus. You're going to know life as you know it should be, whole and full, and it will become one day a reality. Beautiful thing about this picture that God shows us is that you would be just like my granddaughter looking at this. When you see the picture, God has everything in you that you've ever wanted, hungered, longed for. Deep, deep, deep. Not the trivial things, the deep things. When you see this picture, everything in you, every hunger, core hunger, want, need, rises up. And when you see what God has planned, everything in you says, yes, that's what I've looked for all my life. Beautiful thing about God's picture is he not only shows us where everything is going, but in that picture he shows us how it's going to get there and who's going to make it happen. That wisdom and that insight that he gives regarding where all of this is going includes the declaration that in the same way that everything came through Christ and began with Christ, in the same way that he was the Lord of creation, The final restoration of the universe and of life will come one day when all people and things in it are restored to Christ as the head or Lord of all things so that the universe is brought back under his direct control. That's why Paul prays in Ephesians 1 that believers will grasp the full significance of this mystery, this thing that nobody else can see. Now the believers can begin to see where this thing is headed and what God has planned and what God desires. He prays that they'll grasp the full significance of it. 
that they'll understand that in the same way that everything came from Christ as creator, everything is going back to Christ as the redeemer, despite our rebellion and despite our fall from God. Everything's come from him. And one day everything's going back to him. And what that means is this, that those who walk worthy of Christ and finish well are those who are very, very careful to live their lives with this, with this ultimate purpose and, and plan of God always in their minds. They live their lives now according to what will be true for everyone and all the universe later. They will see that all are going by God's design back to Jesus. Some will go back to him and, and will be brought under his lordship and it will be acknowledged that they have rejected him and that they do not want him. And as I shared with you last week, God is so gracious and so merciful that when we say to him, we don't, I don't want you, I reject you, I, I want nothing to do with you, he says to those who say that to him very well. To everyone who said to him, I will not do your will. To everyone who said to him, my will, not yours be done. God will say, then, okay, your will be done. You say you're done with me, your will be done. And eternity becomes a matter of eternal separation from the one who's been rejected. But for those who have come to a place of desperation and surrender to Christ, they too will come under the lordship of Christ. But his lordship, rather than meaning a separation, will mean a completion. where everything I needed to be and should have been and could have been but never was because of my sin and my brokenness suddenly comes to be. I love to say I can't wait for that day because all my life I've longed to see the perfect me. I have no idea what he looks like because this guy is so messed up. I can't wait for my wife to see the perfect me. <laughs> She's going to be so disappointed with all she got here. Uh, What this means for followers of Christ is because we can see where this thing is going and what God is doing and what he's about and who's going to bring it, because we can see the design of the designer, what this means is that rather than fighting it, rather than fearing it, rather than resisting it, we look to the future and we embrace it with joy. Why? Because we know and we see what we didn't know and what we didn't see before, and that is that Jesus is God's best. And he is God's great gift of love. He is God's great gift of love with life, the true center, the one point, the ultimate reason 
for living. And it means that as we look at our past and as we look at the present and the present global situation and the present local situation and our present personal situation and as we look into what is for everyone else an uncertain future, it means we see all of that differently. It means that rather than trying like everyone else does, trying to figure out how to live based on where humanity and history seem to be headed, using the latest headline, the latest act of Congress, the latest State of the Union address, the latest Facebook post or missile launch from North Korea, rather than trying to understand where all of this is going and make our way with our best, best wisdom gleaned from what we see. It means believers can choose to live knowing that all of this, all of this, all of this that we see that haunts us, every environmental crisis and every nuclear threat and every economic issue that could come cascading down on us, that all of this, all of this, every illness, every challenge, every broken heart, all of this, all of this, all of this, all of this one day will be passed. None of this, none of this is going to last. All of this is headed where God says, earth, this universe will finally go no matter what humanity does. I'm able to look at my past and my present and look into the future and say, I know. I see. And because I know and I see, I have no fear. All of this is ultimately headed to Jesus, the giver, the creator, the keeper, the provider of life. <laughs> and nothing we ever do can keep what he has in store for those of us who are his. The picture doesn't change. The picture doesn't change. The promise never fails. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, and he's bringing with him life. I know things look like a mess. I know you're wondering how in the world these parts will ever be put together. But the designer knows what he's doing.
He knows where he's going. And so Paul shows us first that those who walk worthy of Christ and finish well, they live wisely. They live with God's end in mind, knowing that God's end in, in, for life is life returned to the life-giving Jesus. And that transforms the way we live. Notice in verse 16, Paul says that the wise have a right or a proper attitude toward time. He says that the wise are able to make the best use of the time they have. They redeem it. They, they buy up every possible moment knowing what they know, seeing what they see. They snap up every opportunity that comes to them to be part of what God is doing in this world, to carry out his plan and realize his great purpose. They say, I know where this is going. It's all going to life, and I want to get in on it. I will get in on it. I'm going to take every opportunity, regardless of what I see, past, present, or future. I'm going to take every opportunity to live and demonstrate the new life Jesus gives. I'm going to take every opportunity to live and declare the lordship Jesus has. I'm going to take every opportunity. I'm going to leave no moment wasted to point others to him and who he is. Something one day everyone will see and acknowledge. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, one day, one day. But before that day comes, I want to point to him and say, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And you shouldn't fear him. You should embrace him. For he is life. Why this choosing to watch carefully, to be sure that they're living with God's end in mind is important, Paul says, is because the days are evil. Do you see that at the end of the verse, verse 16? In other words, it's vital for them to live with their eyes fixed on God's end in mind and be constantly living out of the wisdom that comes, the wisdom that comes for life, knowing where life is going. It's vital because what's going on now isn't going to show what's coming later. And what's going on now isn't going to hinder what's coming later. They've got to keep watching that they're living with the right wisdom. Because if they're not careful, the world can be so full of hatred and hopelessness and pain. That it can, be, it can seem in the here and now to be out of control. It can seem that the universe is purposeless, heading nowhere and going nowhere in particular. And thus it can seem that we too are without purpose. It can seem that God is dead sometimes, that God is sleeping, that God is weak, that God doesn't know or that God doesn't care. If they're not careful, the days are evil. If you read your life based upon what is happening to you, if you read your life based upon what has happened to you, you can come to all of the wrong conclusions. But as a believer, you've had a chance to see the picture on the box and know better. And having been shown God's ultimate plan and purpose, what that means is you can see farther than yesterday. You can see farther than today. You can live better and know more of where things really are headed. So while believers who walk carefully in the wisdom of God's plan and purpose do live in evil days, they can refuse to be distracted by them. They can refuse to avoid them. 
They can refuse to huddle up in their church buildings and just hang on. They can refuse to live in fear of the evil days of today. In, 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 instead, they can choose to live, to really live, to live out their lives in ways that are dramatically different and confident. They can engage the world as it is now for the sake of showing and declaring the hope that Christ is and the hope that he still gives to those who put their trust in him. Believers who walk with wisdom know that no matter how bad things are, or how hard things get, things will become far better than anyone could ask or imagine when Jesus finally takes his rightful place as King of kings and Lord of all. And when he does, as the prophet Isaiah says, we're going to see the picture on the box of the universe. We're going to see it come to life. And we will see in reality what the Isaiah prophet saw prophetically when he said, there's coming a day when a judge will come who will judge between the nations and he will, dispute, he will decide disputes for many peoples. And the end result of his coming and the end result of his reign will be that they will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation. Neither will they learn war anymore. The day is coming when the wolf will dwell with a lamb and the leopard will lay down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together will lay down and a little child will lead them without fear. The nursing child will play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den and they, meaning humanity, will not hurt or destroy each other anymore on this planet you call earth. Why? Because as Isaiah says, the day is coming when the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea and hatred will end, tears will be a memory, and life will be full because on that day at the end of history, life, this world, this universe will be filled with Jesus. And that means it will be full of life. And all those things that wear you down and tear you down and disappoint and disturb and threaten to destroy. All those things that have done you such harm that are part of this broken world and this broken universe of ours will only be a distant memory. Everything you ever deeply wanted or that your heart deeply longed for will one day be satisfied when Jesus comes, establishes his rule and his reign.
And I tell you, this much I know. I can face whatever life brings to me if I keep my eyes fixed on what God is bringing for me in Jesus. This isn't it. This isn't it. What do you see? This isn't it. This isn't all there is. Your heart kept telling you that. Your heart's kept telling you that. Your heart's always told you that, hasn't it? There's got to be more, right? Hasn't your heart told you that? Hasn't your heart told you that? This isn't it. This isn't it. God's not done. For a follower of Jesus, you see, you see, you see, there's reason to get up in the morning. There's reason to press on. Yeah, embrace what's going on around you. See it for what it really is. Don't live in a fantasy. But look past it. Because what God has and what He has coming, one day will be past. It will not last. Somebody, somebody, somebody needs to hear that. And you know who it is? It's you. This is why the wise, the worthy, the careful, those who finish well, always watch themselves carefully to be sure that they are living with God's end in mind. Notice, secondly, Paul shows us that those who walk worthy of Christ by living carefully keep watch over a second practice and that practice is one of understanding God's will. He says, verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. And then he says, verse 17, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul explains that those who walk worthy of Christ in their lives live watching their lives carefully for the presence and the practice of understanding. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. And they use that, that practice as a way of avoiding a foolish life. Now, what does that mean? To be foolish is to be careless. Biblically speaking, it's to refuse to acknowledge your need of God and to live as if you can disregard his good laws for life and still get good results from life at the same time. And because the foolish person rejects the God who designed life, he or she doesn't know how to make life work well. They make life harder than it has to be. Just like the person, well, who, who receives a, a, a gift of some unconstructed furniture, gets it, doesn't see the picture, dumps it all out.
finds there are instructions and throws them away. And then says, I know how to build this thing. All right, man, it's coming. Hold on. I know how to do this thing. I know how to put this together. I don't need instructions. I don't need a picture. I got this. All right, here it comes, guys. How many of you dads have opened up a piece of unconstructed furniture or play toy or equipment, pulled it out of the box, dumped all the pieces out, and ignored the instructions? Let's see. It's Father's Day. (laughs) How many of you men decided all you needed to do was look at the picture? You didn't need the instructions. How many of you women know that never works, never, ever, ever? And how many of you have had to live with a stubborn man that, no, we're not going there. (laughs) It's Father's Day. But this is exactly what we do with life. This is exactly what we do with the life God gives us. And if we're not careful, even believers can do this. See the picture, toss the instructions. That's the foolish way of living, the old senseless way that Paul speaks of in Ephesians 4. Instead of living foolishly, Paul says believers who finish well live understanding the Lord's will. They, they live understanding his design for the way life is to be lived, given the plans and the purposes he has for humanity in the universe. Not only, you see, has God given believers his wisdom, shown them the picture on the box of the universe as to where things are headed, he's also given believers understanding of how they can and they should live to get on with the, the whole life that he pledges to give them now and he pledges to, to finalize for them later. It's important for us to see that this understanding he gives is far more than just an intellectual grasp of what he wants and how they should live. It includes the ability to comprehend the application of his will to day-to-day life. And this is what enables them then to discern what they can and should do in every situation of life as his people living with his ultimate plan in mind. This is, Paul says in verse 10 of Ephesians 5, the way to please him in all situations of life. And so what I want you to see with me is that those who live worthy of Christ and those who finish well are wise in their understanding and they're constantly focused on being wise and understanding. They're constantly living with a picture of God's plan in their minds, constantly reminding themselves that they know where this thing is going. And at the same time, they've discovered that God has for them a a part to play by his grace. He's given them a part to play in what he's doing in this larger universe. And he's given them an opportunity not only to be living the life that he's going to be giving, but also to be a part of creating the opportunity for others to discover it. So the truly wise, they live with their eyes on God's end and they live with his instructions in their hands. 
ready to do and take the steps he says they should take. Because you see, the other thing believers have figured out is without these, we don't know what we're doing. And here's the uh, hardcore truth. When I was 14, I didn't know what I was doing. When I was 24, I didn't know what I was doing. When I was 34, when I was 44, when I was 54, I didn't know what I was doing. And when I'm 64, I'm not there yet. And when I'm 64, I won't know what I'm doing. That's just the hardcore truth. For every day of my life, I've got to live with his instructions in my hands or I'll never know how to make the most of this life he's given to me or how to participate in the plan that he's got going for this world and this universe. Do you know what has been one of my greatest delights in this life? Is I found that the more I live with his instructions in my hands, the more I live with the aim of pleasing him, I find that the more he is satisfied and pleased with me, out of my love and obedience in following him, the more satisfied and pleased I am in life. Pleasing him ultimately is life's greatest pleasure, to have his smile on my life, to hear him say in the midst of my imperfections, when I do get it right, to hear him say, say, Steve, well done. You're not there yet. But well done. I know you still got some issues, but I'm not done with you yet. Keep your eye on the picture. See where this thing is headed. See the wholeness. See the perfection that's coming. There's still work to be done. I'm willing to do it. You stay open to me. Keep those instructions in your hand. Let pleasing me be your great ambition. And what you're going to find is that suddenly your life starts to make sense and starts to be full. And your days start to have meaning and purpose. The lies start to fall and the truth starts to, to live. Hey, stay with me, Steve. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay faithful. I have joy for you. I have wholeness for you. 
stay with me. I'm not done with you yet. Things may be bad now, but they're going to get so much better. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on my plan. Keep my book in your hand. Keep loving me, walking with me. And you're going to find that all my promises, all the promises that I've made to you are true and right and good and powerful and strong. And what you'll discover is nothing can keep all that I have for you from coming to you. Live. Keep my end in mind. Live. Keep my pleasure in mind. And if you'll keep the end and my pleasure in mind, you will live. Really live. And when it's all said and done, you're going to finish. Well, I want to finish. Well, come what may, I want to finish. Well, what all of that means at the end of the day is that today is a day of decision. We've been parked here in Ephesians for a long time. And God's been calling those who are His to move on past their past and move into his past. Today, today is the day for decision. Some of you here today, you're followers of Jesus, but the reality is you settled for something less than God's best. You were growing at one point in your life. You were making a difference with your life. You were in love with Christ, and the pleasure of God was your greatest delight. But something's happened to you. Something's happened. Something's intervened. Something's distracted you. Something from the old life has come back into your new life and told you that pleasure was the path to life, that, that prestige was the path to life, that working harder and doing more and arriving at perfection was ultimately going to be for you the path of life. Something has gotten into, has gotten into your life and intervening. The truth of the matter is you've settled, you've just settled for something less than my best. It's a funny thing, unless God has our best, we never see His. It's time to move on. For some of us in this room, it's time to let go of some stuff from the past. It's time to be done 
playing games with God. I'm talking to believers right now. It's time to be done. Trying to make a new life work with old ways. It's time to let go. It's time to keep our promise, the promise we made to him when we first gave him our lives. We said we would give him everything and nothing less. It's time. Quit playing church and quit playing Christian and to really start living this new life that he's given us to live. It's time. What is it you need to let go of? What is it that you need to surrender? What is it that you've told God he can't have because you don't trust him with it? What is it that you've thrown out the instructions on and said, I can, I can make this work, I can make this happen? What is it? What is it? It's time. For the sake of him who gave his best for you and held absolutely nothing back, it's time. done with the games. It's time to move. It's time to move on. Keep on moving on. Lest we miss the opportunity of finishing. you stand to your feet all across the room. Everything and nothing but nothing less. There are those here today who uh, here's the truth. You've never seen God's box before. You've never seen God's box before. Oh, you've heard some church words. You've heard some church words. You've had some ideas. But some of you have never seen God's box. You didn't understand his design. You, you didn't know where, where God was going or how it was going to get there. Maybe for the first time in your life, you're beginning to understand. You're catching a glimpse of the box and you're catching a glimpse of the one who designed it and you're catching a glimpse of the one. who's been holding it out for you to see. Maybe for the first time you're beginning to understand why it is that God sent His Son.
live a fully surrendered life. Die in your place. Be raised again with power. It was because he wants you to get free of your yesterday and step into his better, perfect, healing tomorrow in his son. You can't get past your past. Jesus, you can begin today to experience his best, but that's going to mean you looking at the box. Seeing the gift and acknowledging that everything God is showing you is what your heart has always longed for. says to you is come to me all you who are weary and burdened I will give you peace and rest and wholeness and strength I've given you my everything died on the cross for you come by faith to me and bring to me your everything every broken piece and every broken place Father God, this is your time. It's time for many of us here today to move, to move, to move. Father, for every believer in this room who has something they need to let go of from their past, an old way, an old habit, I pray that today would be the day when they would let go and move on. I pray, Father, for every believer whose eyes have been fixed on something other than the end you've promised that today would be the day. They would set their eyes again afresh on the future that is theirs. Step boldly into the future you have for them. They would stop wringing their hands, living in fear that they would live with courage regardless of what they see in their present. For those friends here today, hungry, ready, waiting for a new life, that new life that only you can give. I pray that today would be the day that they would stand up, step down, let go and surrender all to Jesus. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoy these podcasts, take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kors. My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life.